Welcome. Today we're going to be looking at Psalm 56, but I'd like to begin by reading a couple of verses from the previous psalm. This is Psalm 55, verses 6 and 7, where David imagines that he might be able to escape from his troubles. He writes, And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness. My name is Keith Simons. I'm a Bible teacher from England and I present these talks on how to understand the King James Bible using the Psalms. Today we're looking at Psalm 56. So why did I begin with that reading from the previous Psalm where David, David imagines that he can escape from his troubles like a dove which could fly to a distant place, a place of safety? Well the answer is hidden in the heading of Psalm 56. That heading reads, to the chief musician upon Yoanat Elam Rechakim, Mictum of David when the Philistines took him in Gath. And you're probably looking, if you've got the Psalms open in front of you, at that very long word with two hyphens that appears in the King James Bible. Yohanat Elam Rekukim, something like that. What does it mean? Well, they've transliterated there the words in the Hebrew Bible. They haven't translated the words, but those words mean the silent dove of distant places. Remember how David said that he could, wished he could just escape from Israel like a dove that could fly away to a place of safety. There was once in David's life, in, in his troubles, when he did escape from Israel, when he went to what he thought was a place of safety. But the heading of Psalm 56 tells us that that was not at all a place of safety when the Philistines took him in Gath. So if you want to read up on the history of what's being referred to here, you'll find that in 1 Samuel chapter 21 and verses 10 to 15. King Saul was trying to kill David. This was the time before David became king. So David escaped from there to a place where he thought that no one would recognise him, that no one would know him. He thought he'd be safe living in the land of the Philistines, in Gath, the city where Goliath had come from. He knew that Saul and Saul's army would not dare to follow him there. But when David arrived in Gath, the people recognised him. They said, is not this David the king of the land? 
Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And they brought David before the king of Gath, and David had to resort to a very strange tactic to escape from the king of Gath. He, he didn't speak to him. He pretended he was mad. He scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down upon his beard. And so the king of Gath let David go. He said to his servants, Have I need of madmen that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? And so he sent David away. That's the story, the event, that's being referred to in this heading, when the Philistines took David in Gath. And David, in that situation, in that experience, he, he wrote this psalm. He wrote it for the worship of God, for the worship of God in public, at the temple, for the chief musician of the temple. And he called it a miktam. That's some other unfamiliar word from the title of this psalm. We find it six times in the book of Psalms. The first time is in Psalm 16. And then there is the five psalms that begin with the one that we're looking at today. They are all called miktams. The meaning of the word miktam isn't fully understood, but one explanation, that's, one explanation that's been given to it is that these are David's golden psalms. He considered them to be especially precious psalms with which to declare his praise to God. They all seem to describe David in great troubles from his enemies, and yet a confidence, a trusting, a hope, a faith in God. And so uh, when the Jewish people sing the Psalms, because they don't just read the Psalms, they, they sing them in a style that you might prefer to call chanting. Uh, but the tune they use for the miktams is different. It's a special tune to reflect the fact that these are the golden Psalms. These are precious Psalms and they deserve special attention. So we enter in at verse 1 and let's look at the psalm as we always do, verse by verse and word by word. Verse 1. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Be merciful, show your kindness. God, I need your kindness in this situation because I can't depend on any person. And then David begins to speak about one particular man, a man who would swallow him up, a man who was fighting daily to oppress David. Maybe, maybe he means King Saul, who had this plan to kill David, the reason why David escaped into Gath in the first place. Or, or maybe he's expressing his fear of the king of Gath, who's now, who's Men have now arrested him. Man would swallow me up. To swallow. 
the Hebrew word really means to pant, to breathe in and out heavily. It's a word picture for an excited dog or other animal which is desiring meat. And it's desiring meat so much that it starts to breathe in this heavy fashion. And when David says, man would swallow me up, he's saying, my enemy is determined to kill me. He sees me like that dog sees some meat and he wants to see my death. He fighting daily oppresseth me. The word oppresseth has in the middle of it the word press, and that's the meaning of the Hebrew word. He's pressing against me. He's got me trapped. He's fighting against me to destroy me. But if David only speaks about one man in verse 1, in verse 2 he suddenly realised that he has many enemies because he repeats it but he says mine enemies would daily swallow me up for they be many that fight against me O thou most high yes I escape Saul and I escape all his soldiers and I go to a foreign country where I think no one knows me and they think I'm the king of Israel and they arrest me and take me to their king. Wherever I go, there are enemies. Wherever I go, there are enemies who are like, if before it was like one dog attacking me. No, it's like many dogs, a whole, a whole pack of dogs. Is that the word? A whole group of dogs charging in from all directions to attack me. But I'm looking to you, God. O thou most high, is what David calls God here. There might be many who fight against me, but there is one who is higher than them and higher than me and who can defend me. There is one who can save me in this and it's my God. So I'm going to turn to God. They daily would swallow me up. And uh, in verse 3, when it says, what time I am afraid, in the Hebrew, that's what day. In the day that I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Each day, these fears might attack me just as the enemies do. Yet I'm turning to God. I'm putting my trust in him. I'm not going to focus my thoughts on my enemies. That only brings about worry and fear and panic. No, I'm going to think about my God because my God is able to protect me. My God is able to look after me in this situation, in every situation. Verse 4. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. So David is praising God's word, God's word of promise, or maybe God's word of judgment. He exalts that word because he knows that it is God's word that will free him from his enemies. He, he knows that he can trust in God. In the Hebrew, the word for God means the strong God. It emphasises God's power and God's strength. 
So compared to God, it's his enemies who seem weak. Compared to God, the all-powerful God, the maker of heaven and earth, the God who has chosen David and who will appoint him to be king over Israel, who has given his promises to David, people seem weak. And David expresses that weakness by not saying, I will not fear my enemies. He says, I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. What does flesh mean? It means the weakness of the human body, the muscles and the fat of the human body. In verse 2, we, we had David's enemies seeing David as if he were meat just to be killed. But now it's David who sees them as if they were just meat because it is God's power that is protecting David. And their efforts, their efforts of their bodies to kill David cannot succeed. So David doesn't have to fear them because he's trusting in God. But their evil acts are severe and David turns and he reminds God in verse 5 of the evil acts of his enemies. Every day they rest my words rest. They they twist them. They, they turn them around. They use my own words to oppose me. They take my words and they change the meaning of them to try and stir up people so that more and more people will be against me. All their thoughts against me. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They're making evil plots constantly. It's filling their mind. How can we attack David? How can we put an end to his life? Yet this is evil. This is evil that offends God. They're thinking all this and doing all this against David, the servant of God, whom God has chosen. Verse 6. They gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps when they wait for my soul. So David is describing them as, as if they were robbers, as if, as if they were assassins. They're, they're attacking David, but they're attacking David in secret. They gather themselves together. They're gathering to make a plan they hide themselves. They don't want David to see them so David can run away. No, they hide away. They mark my steps. They watch where I'm going. They, they make their plan because they are waiting for my soul. When we see the word soul in the Bible, we always have to ask ourselves, is the meaning just life or is it the inner life of of a person. David could have written here, they're waiting to kill me, that they're preparing themselves to kill me. They wait for my death, he could have written. But no, he wrote, when they wait for my soul. Now, we know from the record in 1 Samuel that David's plan, sorry, that Saul's plan was to kill David. We know that Saul was chasing after David 
In the course of time, he took an army of, I think, 3,000 men with him to try to hunt for David. And they searched across the wilderness in Judea to try and find him. And their plan was to kill him. So we know that they were gathering themselves together, hiding themselves, marking David's steps, uh, because they were trying to kill David. But the word soul also means, in fact, more than that, it means a person's inner life, a person's relationship with God. Were they trying to destroy David's inner life, the life that God had given to David? Well, yes, they were, because God had a plan. God had a plan that David should be the king of Israel. He sent his servant, the prophet Samuel, to David when David was still a youngster to anoint David, to choose him as God's king over Israel. So for David here, there was no difference. If they were waiting for David's death or waiting to destroy the relationship that David had with God, it was the same. If they had killed David before God's plan was complete, before David had become king and done the work that God had for him, they would be killing David, they would be destroying his inner life, they would be ruining the relationship that God was establishing with him. Verse 7. Shall they escape by iniquity. Iniquity means sins, evil deeds. Shall they escape their punishment? Shall they get away from the judgment of God when they have acted in such cruelty and with such violence against God's servant, against David himself? David prays, in thine anger, cast down the people, O God. The word thine is in italics, slanted type. That's the way the King James translators showed words that are not in the Hebrew, but they understood to be implied by the Hebrew. And here they're quite right. In thine anger refers to the anger of God. In thine anger, cast down the people. Cast them down. To cast means to throw, to throw down. In other words, these are powerful and important people. They have high positions, we might say, in Israel. They are the rulers, the governors, the judges, the leaders of the army who are waiting for my soul, who are trying to kill me, who are trying to destroy my relationship with God, my inner life, who are trying to cast me down to deep despair. But God is the judge. In thine anger, cast down the people, remove them from these high positions, O God. Act in judgment, because you are the highest of all. You have the greatest position. Verse 2, O thou most high, the name David gives for God in that verse. In verse 8, David begins to speak about his particular troubles, how he's had to leave Israel, how he is wandering away from Israel, away from the place where God wants him to be, and he's in deep despair. So he turns it over to God. 
that they may not have killed David's life, but they're attacking his soul now, his inner life badly. Uh, David is having to wander. David is crying. Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? Thou tellest. There's a number of words in the King James Bible that we've forgotten their meaning over the years. Uh, We have to look them up in books to know them. And there's other words, very few, but a few words that have changed their meaning. If we say, thou tellest my wanderings, you tell about my wanderings, we might say today. We mean you tell about them, you talk about them like you tell a story. But the word tell did not mean that formally uh, or did not only mean that. It meant to count. You still sometimes hear the word tello in relation to counting. The people who count votes are called tellers in an election. Or the people who count money in a bank are, or at least used to be called, bank tellers. To tell means to count, or it used to. David is saying here to God, you count my wanderings. You've reckoned them all up. You know that I'm wandering from Israel. You've counted it. You've maintained a record of it. You've even maintained a record of how I am crying before you. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. There was a Roman custom of actually uh, taking a little bottle and filling it with tears and uh, burying it with the person who died. And Spurgeon refers to this in in his writings, and he says it's absurd that David should be speaking of that. And uh, I believe Spurgeon is right here. It's an absurd custom, and it's absurd that David should be speaking of it. The word bottle here is the word for a wineskin. It's not a little tiny bottle like the Romans used to use. It's it's a big bag which can store uh, liquids made out of leather or of animal skins. And that is what people used to store their wine in. And they stored it uh, when they put the wine into it. They, they were careful. They didn't waste it. They waited for the last drop to fall in before finally it was full and they would seal it up. And David is saying, God, you know about my crying. You know how I'm weeping. And you've accepted those tears because those are tears of prayer. Prayer against the troubles that I'm suffering. Prayer for my enemies even that you will change their attitudes and change their hearts or, or even of sympathy for my enemies. Uh, th- that, that if they do not change, they will fall under God's judgment. That's those tears, tears of prayers, tears of sympathy, they're precious to God. Like those last drops of wine, God wants to take them and keep them. Put thou my tears into thy bottle.
Are they not in thy book? Thy book? You've got a record of them. You've got a record of my wanderings, and you've got a record of my tears. You're going to remember this, God. You're going to remember this, and you're going to act to resolve this situation and to sort it out. Even though my life looks a complete and utter mess, yet you are God, and I am trusting in you. Verse 9. When I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. God, I'm crying unto you. Strange how crying is a word picture so often for prayer in the Bible. It is here. David cries or calls out to God. And then his enemies turn back. And in deep prayer, sometimes there is tears. Sometimes there is weeping. But David is confident that his weeping, his tears, his crying out is not in vain because God is going to answer his prayer and his enemies will turn back. They'll no longer continue to chase after him. And David says confidently, this I know, for God is for me. I wonder whether Paul was thinking about those words when he wrote Romans 8, 31. What, the, sorry, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? In other words, God is for us. He's for his people. He's supporting them and helping them. So nobody can successfully oppose them. Not Saul, the king of Israel, not, not the armies of Israel, not the guards of, of the Philistines or the king of the Philistines. No one can successfully oppose God's people because God is for them. What a word to inspire David. What a word to give him hope and confidence in these troubles. Verse 10, he repeats, or almost repeats from earlier in the psalm. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. That appeared, of course, at the beginning of verse 4. In God I will praise his word. But now David declares, in God and in the Lord will I praise his word. Why does he say God and the Lord? Why is it not enough for him just to say once, in God I will praise his word? Well, the answer may be to do with the names of God. When David is in great trouble, he reminds himself of God's names. Already at the beginning of this psalm, he's spoken about God as God in verse 1 and O thou most high. In verse 2, now he, he uses God and God's special name, Lord, that appears in block capitals in the Hebrew Bible, which the Jewish people do not pronounce. And sometimes in English we use the word Jehovah to describe that sacred name of God. Well, one answer which has been given to why David repeats these is that David is thinking about different things. 
And so when David says, in God will I praise his word, he's thinking about God as the judge. God is the God of justice. He is the strong one, the powerful one. And so David praises the word of God, the word of God that will bring justice for him. And then when he says, in the Lord will I praise his word, well, the Lord is God's covenant name, the name about his relationship with Israel, the name that reminds us of God's mercy, his kindness to Israel. So when he says, in the Lord will I praise his word, he's thinking about the mercy, the kindness that God will show to him. And then he continues, verse 11, in God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. What can a man do to him? What can flesh do to him? Verse 4. Well, uh, a man might, might kill him, but can he really kill him? If David is trusting God and God is protecting David? No, David is safe because he is being looked after by God. And so he's not going to be afraid of his enemies. Now, the first Christians had many enemies, and those enemies too were trying to kill them, and sometimes they did kill them. But although those enemies killed them, they could not destroy their soul, their inner life. They could not destroy their relationship with God. And if if a person cannot destroy your relationship with God, then you're safe with God. Then your death will only bring you into the presence of God, into heaven, to be with Christ forever, which is far better. So we can, we can trust in God. We don't have to be afraid what man can do to us, what people can do. We don't have to be afraid of thieves and robbers and murderers and assassins. No, we need only to trust in God. And David is confident that God is going to answer this prayer. Verse 12, thy, thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praise unto thee. Thy vows, the promises I made to you, O God. I made those promises that I would give praise to you if you delivered me. And so as you've given me the confidence that you really will deliver me, I can be confident that I will render praises unto thee. I will give you the praise and the thanksgiving that I have promised to give to you. You are the God who is going to rescue me from these troubles. Verse 13, for thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living. This is very similar, actually, to Psalm 116, which in verses 8 to 9 reads, For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. So both of these say, thou hast delivered 
my soul from death. They wanted to take my life from me. They're not going to succeed. They're neither going to kill my body nor take away my inner life, my hope in God, my trust in God. Wilt thou not deliver my feet from falling? That, that's a question. I'm confident that just as you've delivered me from death this far, just as you have looked after my soul and my life this far, so you're going to keep my feet from falling. That seems to describe David's actions, doesn't it? David's feet, where he goes, he's wandering, verse 8. He's going to different places. He could so easily fall. He could fall away from God. He could fall into sin. But he's confident that, day, that God will deliver him, that God will rescue him through all these troubles, that God, who is looking after his soul, will also look after his feet, who will also guide him where he's to go in life and what he's to do, that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Oh, that's why God has delivered my soul from death. That's why I'm confident he will deliver my feet from falling because he wants me to walk before him. Walking often in the Bible is a word picture for how we live our lives. How is David to live his life? In the light of the living. The living among God's people, in the land which God has given to his people. In the light, the light of God's, God's knowledge and God's presence in the place which God has chosen for himself. David is confident, therefore, that he will not die, that he will fulfil the, the promises that God has given to him, that he will rule as king of Israel, as God has promised, that these troubles with enemies on every side of him will come to an end and God will bring about these wonderful things, that God will bring about good things in his life, not just for David's benefit, but for the benefit of the whole of Israel. Please write to me. My email address is 333kjv at gmail.com. That is 333kjv at gmail.com. Now let me read you the whole of Psalm 56. To the chief musician, upon Yonat Elam Rekakim, Miktam of David, when the Philistines took him in Gath. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up. For there be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Every day they rest my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. 
they gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps when they wait for my soul. Shall they escape by iniquity? In thine anger, cast down the people, O God. Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living?